Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. A couple things before we get to the show. The Primary by Mountaintop Games is currently on Kickstarter. Uh, they were on the show back on episode 12. So you can go back and listen to that if you want to hear about the game in an earlier form or just go check out their Kickstarter. You can find the link in the show notes. And Fire in the Library by Tony Miller and John Prather is currently on Kickstarter. You go check that out. You can go to fireinthelibrary.com. It'll redirect you. Tony was on episode 30 talking about his plans for the year, which included some talk about Fire in the Library. Also, have a contest going on right now. Just go to the show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Look for the link to the survey. Answer five questions about the show. You can be entered to win a copy of Battlestar Galactica. That's all the news we have. So let's get on to the episode. This was recorded during lunch at the Granite Game Summit. So it's a shorter episode than usual, but uh, interesting conversation about microgames. Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson, and I am here with... Daniel Newman. Jason Tagmar. Jason Greeno. Chip Bobe. <laughs> and Eve Bobe is here, too, if you hear him. Uh, so today we're going to talk about microgames, because we have... A room full of microgame designers here, which is not a common occurrence in the world, I would imagine, actually. So, um, start with Jason Tagmeyer. What's what's it like publishing a ridiculous amount of microgames? Uh, I'd say that it's probably easier than publishing one large game, but it, it probably isn't at this point. Uh, publishing microgames to me is... It's not even so much that they're micros, but they fit into the same mold, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel with every new game. We're not looking at a new box size, not trying to get templates from the printer. I know exactly what I'm doing game after game. The fact that they're micro, uh, for publishing side, especially with our kind of, we hand assemble games, it just makes everything very simple. You know, we're working with 18 cards, we can get three games to a, to a, to a set of 54, so it's all within, within a certain affordable price range, and we have the flexibility to, to take some chances and uh, do some games that you're not going to see elsewhere. Cool. So you're the only one here who's published micro games, right? No one else is a publisher. No. We're all designers. Designers, the game crafters, as close as I've come. Do you only do micro games? Do you do other things? I've certainly worked on other games. The only things that have made it out into the world actually sold are micro game size. Same for me. Um, yeah, so I've, I've had a couple of micro games published. I have other things that were signed and, and due to release this year cool. um, that are not micro. Uh, which take longer. So which, yeah, they take a bit longer to put together. I can't hand it over at Gen Con and have it come out in February. Um, so, uh, so yeah, no, I'm looking forward to having some stuff come out this year. Micro, the micro game was more of like an aberration for me, actually. Yeah. Like most of what I do is larger. Chip, also only so, things published officially are micro games? So the only official published games are micro games. Um, I've signed a couple other games, uh, but nothing that's come to fruition just yet. So how did everyone here get involved with Button Shy? I know I basically got in through the first contest, and I sent in too many games, and Jason decided to publish one eventually. Just to make you go away. <laughs> Please stop. We'll publish one. Jeez. So, um, so at TotalCon, like, 
four or five years ago, I think. Probably like 2013, 2014. Yeah. Um, I was showing off a um, I was showing off a game that I designed called Chroma Cubes, which is a strategic dice game with coloring, as in actual crayons. And um, after the con, so Jason was there. I demoed it to him. After the con, Jason was writing up sort of a report of what he had played, and he called Chroma Cubes um, one of the most innovative games at the convention. Uh, so then, immediately, I decided to start pitching him some other game ideas. <laughs> he likes me. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, what happened after that was you were doing storyteller cards at the same time. Um, so I pitched you the idea of creating a coloring game that, instead of dice as randomizers, used a deck of storyteller cards. Uh, and that was our first project together. So I jumped in recently with Button Shy after uh, semi-finaling in GameCrafters uh, 18 card challenge, which led me to say, how could I go out there and start publishing some of my own games? Um, you know, here's these guys doing it on Patreon. That looks pretty cool. Maybe I'll try that. I reached out to Jason and I said, this looks really cool. Do you have any advice? And the more we talked, it became apparent that it would be better to partner with someone who is established and has all these awesome designers on his uh, stables. So here I am. Cool. And Daniel? So I met Jason at Metatopia, I think, three years ago? Something like that? Probably. Um, he and uh, another designer, Doug Lewandowski, was doing a, were doing a panel on, on um, publishing. And it was super interesting, and I just reached out to them just to try to get to know them. I was, I had been starting on one game. It was like my first game. I'd been working on it for a few months. Which was just, one was that? Was that was uh, the, the, Pounding Pavement at the time, and then oh, I thought it was Titan Station. What was the... Oh, at Metatopia. No, I had, yeah, Enemy and Enemy. So I, at that point, I actually did have like three that I was working on. Um, and one of them was this game uh, that I was calling Cloud City, which had this modular board that people were moving around as they were playing in order to make connections, and it's kind of a... It's not city building, but it's kind of an economic game. And it wasn't working all that well. Like, it was fine. Like, it worked. It just wasn't that interesting. Um, and I started talking to Jason on Twitter, I think, and, and uh, he said, you know what I'd really love to do is, like, put together, come up with a way to do, like, a tight Euro in 18 cards. And something just flipped in my head, and I was like, oh, this game that I'm dissatisfied with would actually work really well as an 18-card game that would make it an interesting game. And that became Ahead in the Clouds. Um, was, it, was it always a two-player game? No, it started out as like a four, three to five, maybe. Hello. Um, and then, yeah, so I started playing around with, with the format. What's in there? What's in where? My name's Daniel. What's your name? Yeah. Oh, it's nice to meet you. Do you also design micro games? <laughs> okay, it's good. Come on over. Um, yeah, so that was Ahead in the Clouds. Um, <laughs> uh, I completely lost my train of thought there. I don't know. So the game ended in That got published. Right. So Jason picked that up. Um, I also... Did we do... It was after that, I think, that Doug and I... Did the contest? Tried the contest, right? That was the summer of 2006. You had already signed the game, but yep. I mean, hadn't. it hadn't come out yet. And then Doug and I started working on uh, a deck builder. We tried to do a deck builder in 18 cards, which uh, we submitted to the, the first contest. Our, our first contest. Yeah, the first bunch I contest. Um, and it, fin it was a finalist. It was a finalist because I pitched really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the game was not so good. 
uh, and we we kind of turned away from that one. But and then um, yeah, and then this this summer I had an idea for a follow up to Head in the Clouds, mostly because I wanted to make a game called Feet on the Ground. So it started with the name first, and then F E A T feet, because uh, puns are fun. What was the third one someone just came up with? Um, oh, it was Nat Levan. Yeah. Uh, something about efficiency. Efficiency. Yeah. Something about what was it? Efficiency. Yeah. There's a there's a beginning to it, but so now I have to figure out how to make that one. That's it was really good. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> so designing micro games, it's. It's a very different beast than designing games where you're unrestricted by size. Um, so what is a micro game? Is it, does it just have to be a small package? Or does the game itself have to be shorter or easier? Is there something intrinsic to the gameplay that makes it a micro game? Like Universal Rule is an example, is a 45 minute 4X game, but it fits in a wallet. Is that really a micro game? Or does it have to be something smaller like Love Letter? So it's, my very specific four button shy, which is not saying what is a micro game or what is not, but what, is I, what do I consider a micro game is, or a wallet game. So I think that I want to see that larger game. I want to see something that's meaningful and something that competes with every other game on your shelf that is not... The, the one pitch I always get is a game that you can play while waiting in line. And to me, that's... Uh, that's not what I would base uh, like button shy around and, and our wallet games. And if I was telling someone to design a micro game for whatever reason, I would tell them to to try to stand out and, and fit in with with the larger, more accepted games that can be played outside of it. Do you use the term micro games when you button no, games? No, I was gonna say like, yeah. you've moved away from that. I talk about right? the 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 product itself, so it's the wallet, so how so people know where they can carry it and things like that. But I believe that the term micro game it would um, people might take from that small gameplay. Right. And I try to avoid drafting. Yeah. So that ruins the topic for this whole show. We're talking about button shy games now. <laughs> well, that's why that was my big on you know. Um, but as far as a micro game, just thinking about micro games, I do like the the small games that ha- that pack a bigger punch. Um, so I, I think of that in just games that I buy that are tiny. If it's tiny and it's it's over five minutes, it's a lot. It leaves a different impression on me than when it's tiny and you know it's like a thirty minute. You know. So, what about, say, the Oink games? Would you consider those micro games? They come in a small box. They're usually 30 to 45 minute game time. I don't know that I would call those micro games. <laughs> Even though they are very small. I mean, often they pack a lot in those yeah, little boxes. They're very like a game like startups. There's so much in there. You open that box and it springs <laughs> like a, you know, a can of whatever that is. Uh, Riddle, snake? right? Like the snake, yeah, kind of snake. Um, and no, I think I think the level of gameplay with those puts them outside of micro games as well. Um, Do you think I, it is the game? The gameplay has I, to be short for it to be a micro game. To call it a micro game, I think it has to be a very small package and it has to be a quick experience. Personally, like when I think micro game, and I think that's why I you, you from pull a away from side, that. Exactly. From a marketing side, if I had a quick, if we had a line of games, for example, that were just quick, you could play the waiting line, you could play. I'm in a restaurant, and it was just that simple tableless play. Calling a micro game is probably to your way. But if, and if you're doing the opposite thing, you calling don't a micro game might be the, the Interesting. Jason? Yeah, I'd say 
coming from my perspective, it's almost as much about the design aspect, the limitation of 18 cards, as it is the gameplay after the product's all said and done. For me, I'm enjoying designing them. In the micro format, I can get more ideas out faster and move on to basically a bucket list of game themes I want to try without pinning myself down to a, a year-long, two-year-long process. Um, so for me, it's it's almost the, the artwork of creating such a small thing that is a big game yet. Um, but I, I think you're right. If you, if you refer to it as a micro game, people start shying away, thinking that it's just a, a filler, and it doesn't have to be. True, true. Uh, do you think micro games, or let's say small games, are harder to design or easier to design than when you don't have the restriction on size? I mean, restrictions can help guide you. Yeah. Right? And sometimes if you if you just have an idea and you don't know what you want that to be, it can be harder to get started. Um, so if you have feet on the ground, yeah. that's harder to design than feet on the ground in 18 cards. Could be. Yeah, because, I mean, it's the, the restrictions, I, again, like the restrictions kind of channel your energy, your, your intention, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and give you something to work within, and then you're solving problems based on your restrictions instead of just like, what can this be? Like, it's just a little too open. I think with 18 cards, as just an example, but even just small, small, tiny games, uh, you're limited in player count. Like, so it's hard to make a game that's more than two players where players have something personal that they have to hold or, or put in front of them because then you have to multiply that by the amount of players. So it starts eating up your player count. It's easy to do something social. It's easy to do something, uh, things like that. But I think micro games are restrictive into, even with Button Shy, I'm looking at one and two player games as like our, our they've been our best selling games. And it's our, it's our because you can get the most out of the game. Um, so I think that's one of the, the harder things to design is... I, don't, I actually like designing in solo and two-player because it's easier to test. Yeah. But uh, it pigeonholes you a little bit in your in your design space. But also in most cases, when you've gathered three or four people to play, you're going to want to play something bigger. Yeah, like exactly. You've gotten people together, you're going to want to get a game to the table. Yep. But yeah. like, it's much easier if like Jason and I are going to lunch, I can throw you know, a head in the clouds game. on the table while we're waiting for lunch. You know, like... Exactly. It's, it, yeah, it's sort of built into that whole dynamic of how many people. For me, I'd say it's a lot easier to design a micro game and get it out there. So I, I find I've got a lot more games on the shelf that I haven't finished that are big, um, over-the-top deck builders or whatnot. And so I'm enjoying designing in the micro space for that reason. You need to combine them into one big deck building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every wallet is a deck. Yeah, or an expansion. Well, that was the tricky thing about trying to do a wallet deck builder in 18 cards, is there's, there's, there's no deck. No deck. <laughs> like, you know, it became a kind of hand management game. It's like, it just wasn't. You can't do a deck builder if you don't have enough cards. We got a submission that was a two-player deck builder that was really unique in that things were shared in, in like a really cool way. Right. Was, like, you, your deck was had some shared cards over here, some over here. Cards were split, so there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of variability built into it. But I still wouldn't call it a deck builder because people would be like, you know... Because you didn't have a deck. Where's your deck? It sees, yeah, it <laughs> has its roots in it, but it's not... Yeah, and that's from a personal animal. side. I like games that have a touch of deck building into them as opposed yeah, to the being the entire thing. Because yeah. if it's the entire thing, you're just simply competing with the greats. And, yeah. yeah, I tried a deck builder too. I think for the second contest, but again, it didn't have a deck. It was 
it was it wasn't even hand management. I didn't have people have hands. I had like a row of workers that would come out on a system. Was, yeah, Chris, that's like a deck. deck. <laughs> if I stacked them, it would have been. But it did not work. That's why it's not here. But um, so speaking of that, when you're designing to 18 cards specifically, it's really about the efficiency of using things. Yeah. So like you're using usually both sides of the card or both faces and both sides. Um, a lot of using every edge and every corner. Yeah. So what are what are some of the efficiency things you've used to really get a game out of 18 cards? Well, when I did Ahead in the Clouds, it, so the original game had lots of resources and just tokens and everything. It was crazy. And I was trying to figure out how to do it in 18 cards. I used four cards, one for each resource, and used the edge to track the numbers and then flip it over. So you get up to seven. Zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And so the, the actual game, the board, is seven cards. And eight of them are just for tracking resources. Um, that was huge figuring that part out like how do you deal with the resource management game when you need half the deck for resource management Um, and then I was able to boil down the rest so that that was a big thing for me one of the things I've seen I did it in my own game Twin Stars and you kind of see in like Circle of the Wagon and some other ones is that not using all the cards so restricting your your play space to even less cards and then having some of them swap in and out and and change things considerably for Circle of the Wagons it's three scoring conditions that change every time so you're not building more onto each card you're just not using that part of the card in every game uh, for Twin Stars, it's simply you use three, two characters and a location, and the deck of 18 cards is 12 characters and six locations. So you just randomize them, and the game's different every time. It's getting more out of the 18 cards while reducing your, your play to less. And that adds an interesting restriction, because since you don't have blank backs, essentially, you can't do any sort of hidden information, really. Exactly. Every yeah. card would be known. Yep. It changes it a lot in my way. I've been tempted to try to come up with something that was a unique, uh, a common back to the card, but could also function as a game board, so you could have hidden information, and yet one of those cards could be, like, the field to play. Yeah. Uh, I haven't figured that out quite yet. Good luck. <laughs> with Pocket Kung Fu, um, you can actually play the game with literally two cards so each player has a fighter and since there's pivot points on the card that you're using to spin your kung fu fighter around the table it's actually all in one um, mechanisms there's his abilities on the card his ability to strike from the corners of the card the blocking areas all along the edge of the card so it really jammed a lot into just two cards all right well we are running out of time because we have many things to do so everyone you want to just give some contact info if they want to follow you online let's go backwards Jason alright so Jason Greeno is at Jason Greeno on Twitter or epicendeavorgames.com Jason Tagmeyer so Jay Tagmeyer on Twitter Button Chai on Twitter I think it's Button Chai not Button Chai Games I don't know it's probably the only thing that comes up if you type Button Chai it's one of them and uh, buttonchaigames.com for the catalog of games and I'm Daniel Newman D-N-L-N-W-M-N on Twitter. And Chip. So the easiest way to find me is uh, on Twitter. I am at the underscore flying sheep. That's T-H-E, the underscore symbol, F-L-Y-I-N-G-S-H-E-E-P. And Chris is BGS on Twitter, and you know the rest. It'll be on the end of this show. Okay, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. That's all for this episode. You can find show notes for all episodes at the Board Game Workshop. Com. Follow the show on Twitter at the BG Workshop, like the show on Facebook, and join the show's Facebook group to talk about episodes and game design. 
If you'd like to send in a question, you can email it to questions at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.